0: Hey there, and welcome to What's the Story? We're an inquisitive bunch of hosts from the What's the Story team on a mission to uncover stories about faith and courage from everyday people. In doing that, we get the privilege of chatting with amazing guests and have the opportunity to delve into their faith journey, the hurdles they've overcome, and the life lessons they have learned along the way. If you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for our weekly newsletter at our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. It's your direct line to the latest episodes and detailed show notes delivered straight into your inbox. And the best part, it's totally free. What's the Story is brought to you by CrowdChurch, who fully understand that stepping into a traditional church might not be everyone's cup of joe. CrowdChurch provides a digital sanctuary, a safe space to explore the Christian faith where you can engage in meaningful conversations rather than just simply spectating. So whether you're new to the Christian faith or in search of a new church family, visit crowd.church. And if you have any questions at all, just drop them an email, hello at crowd.church. They would love to connect with you. And now let's meet your host and our special guest for today.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's the Story podcast. I'm Anna Kettle, your host for today, and I'm joined by Claudine Roberts for our conversation. So, Claudine is a former human rights solicitor and a member of the preaching team at Freedom Church in Liverpool. That's that's part of their new grand family of churches across the UK. She's married to Paul and they have three children. In her legal career, Claudine specialized in mental health law and detention under the mental health act she represents both victims and perpetrators of violence including some of the most dangerous violent offenders in the country detained in maximum security she was seriously assaulted herself twice in her teens and then raped in her 20s in the context of an emotionally abusive relationship she now writes and speaks on the subject of what the bible has to say about violence against women And her book on the subject was published earlier this year as part of the Cover to Cover Bible Study series. So, Claudine, what an amazing introduction there. So much in that, so much that you've done. Welcome to What's the Story?
2: Oh, thanks, Anna. Hi, it's lovely to chat to you today.
1: It's great to have you here. Now, let's start at the beginning and just tell us a little bit more about yourself. You're a mum of three from Liverpool. Like, how long have you been here? What's your background? Where Yeah
2: yeah. so I'm not a Scouser in case you can't tell from my accent. Um, I was born in Surrey Um moved around a little bit for uni and early career but then lived in Surrey for about nine or ten years more recently closer to my family and then my husband and I and our children moved to Liverpool about two years ago. We felt like God was calling us to move here. And we were in a sister church to Freedom Church down in Surrey. And so we started getting to know the people from Freedom Church in Liverpool and moved up here to join them, really.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, Surrey's losses our gain in Liverpool, isn't it? How are you finding <laughs> Liverpool so you. far? Do you like the city?
2: yeah we love it we're having a great wow. time we've made really good friends already um, and there's so much fun to be had in the city isn't there
1: <laughs> yeah there's a lot going on it's a really creative cool city for anyone who's not a local person who's listening we have listeners from all across the uk and around the world sometimes so yeah I highly recommend you check it out if you haven't been before i personally and um, obviously i'm not a scout either and neither is my husband he's also from Surrey, interestingly <laughs> and um I moved here as a student when I was 18, and i just never left yeah. for exactly that reason. It's just a lots of people stay, don't they you?
0: Here. They yeah. really
1: do. So let's dig into your story a little bit. Then, so how did you become a Christian? Have you always grown up in a Christian household, or what's your background in faith?
2: Yes, my family is not Christian, actually. My parents have lapsed to Catholics. <laughs> my mum took us to church to get us into the good schools, but I'm not sure she really has a faith of her own. Um, I'm not really sure about that. Um, and I started going to a church, born again Christian church. Um, in my teens, about 16, a group of friends took me. Um, and I already considered myself a Christian. I thought I was, having been in the Catholic church and at Catholic schools and um, and then I guess I encountered the real Jesus mm-hmm. at about 16 my friends took me to Soul Survivor one of the kind of Christian youth camps mm-hmm. down in the south and yeah had a great time and encountered Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit and really made a commitment to him at that time. That's fab
1: because so I've obviously been a Christian since then but as with all of us, life hasn't gone totally smoothly at all times. I think we alluded to some of this in your bio that I read there at the beginning. And so
0: oh, yeah.
1: sexual violence has actually been a big part of your story and like a major challenge you've had to overcome. So can, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Can you unpackage it? Yes.
2: Yeah, shortly after I became a Christian, I was sexually assaulted for the first time. I didn't really identify it as a sexual assault at that time. I think I was too young to understand what had happened. Maybe I didn't have the vocabulary or the kind of education on what had happened and how to deal with it. Um And so I just pushed it down. Um, and then I was assorted again at 18 at university. That time I did know what had happened. And... I was a bit off the rails at that point, actually. I wasn't going to church in my university town. I was only going in the holidays when I was back at my home church where I became a Christian. Um, and I didn't really have anyone to disciple me. Um, so I was just running away from God and, and not dealing with things. Um, and actually, in that period, I was in some pretty unhealthy relationships and um, going out with non-Christians um, and In my early 20s, I was then in a really emotionally abusive relationship um, and then that guy raped me and after that, I started to deal with those experiences, but I would say fairly superficially, more in terms of my own sin in those situations actually, rather than what had been done to me and the sin of others because I still wasn't really equipped to deal with it. Um, And I wasn't walking closely with God and I didn't know what he had to say about what had happened to me. And so actually it was really only a few years ago in about 2019 that God started to really speak to me about what had happened um, and start to deal with those things on a much deeper level and deal with my trauma Um, and it was only then really that I identified that first assault at age 16 um, Mm -hmm. as a sexual assault and I I realised what had happened and then of course it felt really raw and like it had only just happened because the trauma was brought up and it was so close to the surface. Yeah
1: gosh that is such a lot to go through any kind of sexual violence or soul or rape is a lot go through once but to go through it three times and also from quite a young age that first time as you say that's a lot to process and I suppose it's not that surprising that at the time you perhaps didn't fully deal with it or comprehend it because that's really hard to deal with it at that age isn't it it's a lot to process and I guess it even has been quite a journey you just alluded to even as an adult to yeah recover from that and heal from it and obviously you said your relationship with God um, over those years you were a Christian but quite a new Christian when it first happened and then drifted away a little bit but God was there in the background still is it part is your story partly that coming back to God started that healing process what how did the two interlink to faith and that experience
2: yeah I think I started drawing closer to God again, maybe in my early to mid twenties. So after all the assaults had happened, it just wasn't on my radar to deal with it then. Like I said, I felt like I was dealing things in terms of my own sin and how I had been running away from God. Um, and I, I had much to repent for um, in that period and I did. And my, yeah, I, I my relationship with God got back on track and I've been walking closely with him for many years now. But it's funny actually how it just felt like in about 2019, the beginning of 2020, it just felt like God was saying, now is the time I want to deal with this. I think often we can feel like we've got no more baggage or no more deep traumas to deal with. And then God says, oh, now is the time. How about this one? Because I really, I was, I was, I considered myself quite a mature Christian. I was already on the preaching team of my church by that point and I felt like I was quite together actually. Mm. It didn't feel like there was this dark deep pit just lurking just waiting to be dealt with. It was quite a surprise to me when God said, "How about this? Let's talk about this now." Because I just hadn't really thought about it for so many years, mm. especially that first assault that happened when I was 16. I just hadn't recognized it as sexual violence Um, and so i didn't know there was anything to deal with
1: yeah it's so interesting isn't it i think sometimes god his healing process i've heard it described as like layers of the onion he slowly gets to the center but he's gentle isn't he He only gets us to deal with things as quickly and as deeply as we can cope with at the time so maybe that's why quite often it feels like a process or you think ah i thought i dealt with that and actually there's more Deep healing to be done,
2: still. Yeah, and, and, and it doesn't and always feel everything. gentle, though, Anna. Sometimes it feels quite brutal. <laughs> but when you look back you can see. Oh no, God! Yeah. God was actually really kind I mean, in that. I, yeah,
1: and the timing was quite interesting, wasn't it? Because didn't I think you said that it was during COVID that it all yeah. came up again, like during that period when the world was slowing down? Can you tell us a bit more about what happened and how God did bring it back on your radar?
2: Yeah, of course. So like I said, end of 2019, that's when it first came up. And it was really strange. It was the result of a conversation with someone from church. One of my friends said something to me and it was a really split second, like a really short conversation, but it made me really cross, Anna. So (laughs) it felt like she had shut me down. But not intentionally. She wasn't being mean. It just was a, quite an innocent comment. And I just felt really angered by it. So I took it to God and I said, Why am I so angry about this, Lord? And He said, Oh, it's because you believe this lie from the enemy that your voice doesn't matter. And you felt shut down and it's because of this lie. And I was like, Oh, that's a surprise. So I started to speak to God more about that. Why have I be- been believing this lie from the enemy that my voice doesn't matter? And Quite quickly, I realized that God was linking it to those experiences of sexual violence. Mm. Each time I had said no, and that hadn't mattered to the perpetrator, they had ignored it. Mm. That told me that my voice didn't matter. I think the enemy got in and and told me this lie. Your voice doesn't matter. Your no doesn't matter. Mm. and, And effectively, you don't matter. And so... Over those three occasions, that just got, that lie got strengthened and reinforced and I began to really believe it. And so it was all linked to my voice and the lies of the enemy. God started speaking to me about what had happened. And then... I remember it was the the very last church meeting that we had before lockdown when we were no longer able to meet in 2020 so God had been speaking to me about this kind of for a couple of months very gently and then it was the last church meeting and I said God when did i first believe this lie And God showed me the very first incident when I was 16 that I hadn't previously considered as a sexual assault. And God showed me that this was an incident of sexual violence and an attack on me. And that I hadn't dealt with it because I'd only considered my own sin in that situation. And so then the tears started to come. And that's why I say sometimes it feels brutal because that was quite shocking to me that God had brought that to mind after over 20 years. Of it being dormant, and so the tears started to come and and over that time, I had just started a new job. I was working for new ground churches, my family of churches doing communications and things, having not worked for about nine years, I was a stay at home mum with my three kids, so then I was in the office and I was just crying every day (laughs) and my colleagues were like the guys in my church were like saying, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. But it was very clear that I wasn't. I couldn't, I I couldn't process what was going on externally. It was quite an internal thing at that point. But my mental health really started to take a dive um, and I became really quite low, but the whole time I was just clinging, clinging on to God and, and saying, God, I need to know what you say about what happened to me. So, yeah, I just started digging into the scriptures, really. Um And my mental health went down and down. That's not what you expect to hear, is it? You (laughs) expect to hear I was praying, I was reading the Bible, I started to feel much better. But that's not actually the case. Mm. My mental health over a period of months through the lockdown just got worse and worse until I reached the point where I was like, oh, I need some professional help here.
1: And that's really good. And I I really appreciate being honest with that, because so often it can be tempting as Christians to think, oh, just go to God's word. And then the answers will be there, we'll pray and we'll feel better. And that's yeah. not always the case. Real trauma requires some real work, doesn't it? And processing. And actually, there's a real place for counselling and therapy alongside all of that spiritual input as well. And and you did do a period of that, didn't you? you yeah. Mental health declines. So.
2: Yeah, I had some EMDR, which is a specialist trauma therapy. It stands for... Eye movement, desensitisation and reprocessing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really interesting to me because I had been working as a mental health solicitor years before that in my 20s. And some of my clients had it in the past. So I, I knew that it worked because I'd seen it in some of my clients. And yeah, so I, I went for that and I found that really helpful, actually, and I'd really recommend it.
1: Yeah. Just for people who don't know what it is, just very briefly explain a little bit more about how it works. It's like actually to do
2: with your eyes. (laughs) There are different ways of doing it. So there's a way that where you can follow the therapist's finger from side to side. So that Mm -hmm. is to do with your eyes. But that's not how my therapist did it. It's not a traditional talking therapy. You do talk about your experiences in part, but it's not just talking. So my therapist had something that was a bit like a TENS machine. So if you've had a baby, you'll know know what it's like. But if you haven't, it's a sticky pad that you stick on your... When you're pregnant, you stick it on your back and it buzzes with an electrical pulse. But this that my therapist had was two paddles that you could hold in your hands or you could just stick them in the waistband of your trousers, one on each side... So the idea is that it would buzz on one side and then the other and then the other and then the other, just alternate buzzing um, like a little electrical pulse. Um, and the idea is to make your brain fire on one side and then the other side and the other side in a rhythm as you think about your experiences. And the way that my therapist explained it was that each um traumatic incident that you have or experience that you have is a bit like a box, cardboard box, or like an in tray in your mind with all the thoughts and feelings, emotions surrounding that incident of all just like little bits of paper just shoved into the box mm-hmm. and they haven't been sorted. It's like lots of little post-its just shoved in the box. And so I had three of these boxes in my mind, one for one for each experience. And as you think about The incident been like a a guided way as the buzzers buzz one side then the other it's a bit like your brain sorts through all the bits of paper and all the post-its and puts them in the right place Um, and I found that a really helpful kind of illustration of what was going on Um, and it was yeah it was really amazing for me.
1: Yeah it's interesting I I have to admit before talking to you I hadn't come across that before and I think it's so interesting isn't it how the brain works and how God's made us so fearfully and wonderfully and it's it's very complex isn't it but actually yeah the sort of physiological side and how the brain works mentally and how it all comes together and the spiritual
2: as well. Yeah I definitely Um, found that it was also partly a spiritual experience for me because it's not a traditional talking therapy there's a lot of kind of listening or or sorting through things in your own mind and just thinking about them. So as I did that, I felt like God was with me in the room and it was like, I was having a conversation with God. Um, and sometimes that would make me laugh or get upset. And then my therapist would say, oh, what? why are you laughing? And I would say, she wasn't a Christian. So it was quite funny. I would say, oh, God just said this. <laughs> so it was quite an interesting experience for me and for her, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. sounds amazing. And so obviously you went through that process and did get some real freedom and release. And you also said that at the time you were that whole period of life, gave you a bit of headspace to work through some of it and wrestle with the whole in the scripture as well. Now, I know know you've gone on to write a book on this more recently, but tell us a bit more about that process. Like how did that all come about? And
2: yeah. 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 First, I thought, God, this timing is crazy. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, or at the start of a global pandemic, really. um, And everywhere's going into lockdown. Why are you bringing this up with me now? This is not good timing. But obviously, we know God's timing is perfect, isn't it? Mm. So it was great, actually, because... The expectations on me for work just really lowered. And then my husband, who had previously been commuting into London every day, was suddenly at home all the time and just able to be present a lot more with the children. And so actually, it it felt like really good timing. I started really digging into the Bible and praying um, a lot. <laughs> God, what do you say about what's happened to me? Um And... I journal as I pray so I just write down what I'm praying and if I hear God say anything and I also just write notes in there on the bits of the Bible that I'm reading that day whatever it might be so sometimes I'm quite disciplined and I go through a certain book of the Bible but in this period uh, I was like God I, I need to know what these stories of sexual violence in the Bible and other types of violence against women I need to know what they mean why they're in there um, and I looked for a book that would explain each story. I wanted a dummy's guide, like this story means this is what we're supposed to take from it, and this story and just going through them. And I just couldn't find it. And so I started ordering loads of books because I'm a real reader. So I was on the internet, I was just ordering everything I could find on the subject. Yeah. And, and there wasn't yep, that you much get that. Actually. I'm a reader too. <laughs> yeah. But some of what I could find was really like these heavy academic tomes, big, thick volumes, And my husband was like, there's another parcel. What are you doing? (laughs) And I was like, I'm I'm researching. And I was just ordering all these books and just reading. There was a little bit on Hagar in one book, a little bit about Tamar in another, and just writing all these notes in my prayer journals. Okay, this is what I think God's saying about this story and what he wants to say to me personally through it as a survivor of sexual violence. And I couldn't find the book that I wanted but I found a little bit here and a little bit there um, and ended up piecing it all together and then God started to speak to me about what I had in my hand through my like in my prayer journals I, I had the book that I had been looking for because I had compiled it I pulled it all together and God started speaking to me about how that was linked to then using my voice and think I I thought that my voice didn't matter but actually it really did because there are other women who need to know what God says about what's happened to them. And so I started to um, just think about how I might get that into the hands of other women and to preachers in our churches, because we don't really talk about these biblical stories no. of violence against women. And that was part of my problem was that I'd had no teaching on, on what the Bible says about this. Um, and I know that there are churches that do want to, Help people deal with their trauma and things, yeah. So I started thinking about that and how I could get it out there.
1: Yeah, that's amazing, and I think you're so right. We don't tend to talk about these issues very much in the church, do we? Not saying we never do, but I don't think women's issues, women's health, lots of these subjects don't get talked much about in church. Certainly, I've never heard a a preach or or a talk before on sexual violence in that kind of context and so yeah, yeah. I think those resources of the church are so needed at the moment aren't they why do you think that is do you have any ideas on why those kind of subjects that really affect a lot of women don't they and there'll be women in lots of churches that are affected by the issue of sexual violence or assault what, yeah why do you think it is that we don't talk about these issues much
2: yeah I think part of it is to do with the fact that traditionally there have been more men teaching than women. Um, and that's obviously still the case in some denominations or church families. And so I think men may not, I'm generalizing, but they may not think about addressing those issues, but also it's there in the Bible. So they obviously will have come across it in there. But I think also there's a lot of fear around perhaps doing more harm than good um, and bringing things up for people and then not knowing how to equip them to deal with it healthily and safely so I think silence has always felt like maybe the safer option especially Mm. since there haven't been resources to show people how to speak on these subjects and also I think there's the issue that in the past some of these biblical stories of violence have been really poorly interpreted mm. um, and they've laid blame on the victims and they haven't given us a true picture of what God says and of his character and how much he deeply cares about women. Mm. Um, and so I think if you did decide to preach on one of these stories, some of the interpretations you come across might be incredibly unhelpful um, and not give an accurate picture And so I think people steer clear.
1: Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Um, But I also think that's why it's so exciting that you've written this and that you're speaking and sharing about your own story, which I think is really brave, um, but also so important because it's a subject that you you do need to talk about more. And obviously tell us a bit more about the book itself then. What's it called? And what conclusions did you actually draw? What kind of Did you decide that the Bible does have to say on this subject?
2: Yeah, so it's part of the cover to cover Bible study series, which is great because that's quite an established series of of Bible study guides that... Small groups and churches have been using for generations now, so I'm really pleased that hopefully that means it'll get into more people's hands. So it's called Cover to Cover: Violence Against Women. Discovering El Roy, the God Who Sees, and that first story of biblical the violence against women, and that first story of Hagar. It's the first one we come across in Genesis, and that really spoke to me about how. God sees what happens to her and he pursues her. He goes looking for her in the desert and it says the angel of the Lord appeared to her. But I like to picture Jesus meeting Hagar in the desert because that gives us a picture of like the character of God and sets our expectations of God's character in that moment meeting with Hagar. Um, And yeah, she just she felt really seen as a result. And throughout the stories i started to notice a pattern that the male characters that we often call bible heroes Mm -hmm. so like abraham like jacob and david they were often present in these stories and were not the hero of the story they let the women in their lives down and in some cases, like in in Hagar's story, they commit grave sexual sin or some other kind of grave sin. They were, you know, they had turned away from God's plan for them. And so we set them up as heroes and then we come to these stories and maybe we expect them to be the hero in that story too. Yeah. When in fact, they... They are a real letdown. They turn out to be in sin. And let me give you another example. Like in the story of Tamar, David is her father. He's the king. Um, so, and, and we know it says elsewhere in scripture that he has like the heart of God, doesn't he? So we expect him to be the, the hero in that story and to be a good, just king and a loving father. And Tamar is raped and he lets her down. Mm. He doesn't go to her. He doesn't offer her justice. And yeah, he he is a real disappointment in that story. It's like, mm. David, come on. <laughs> but I think what I started to see was that every single story pointed to Jesus as the savior, the true king, the just judge, the loving husband, the loving father. They all point us to Jesus to say, you're not going to find salvation in a king or in, in any earthly man or any earthly person. Like you've got to go to Jesus. And then the final story that I look at in, in the Bible study is the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. And that's the point where we go, this is why we turn to Jesus. This is his response to violence against women. And Jesus interrupts violence mm. and have you ever seen there's a children's bible called the jesus storybook bible yeah i've seen it. the subheading of that bible is every story whispers his name and that's what i really found as i looked at the biblical stories of violence against women that every story whispers his name and that it's jesus who can who can interrupt violence and can, who can bring healing
1: mm. i love that yeah that's such an interesting perspective i think it's like you said before so often we avoid these stories because they are difficult or at, certainly at first glance it's oh i don't know what that means like yeah. all these terrible men in the old testament who are just and it still happens today doesn't it who are just yeah. allowing violence against women and what does god have to say about it and, and i just love that i love that and even the title of your book it's got that name for god the god who sees and yeah I love that because so often, and it's your story, you didn't feel heard, you didn't feel seen in your experience. And that's so often the experience of women who've been victims, isn't it? And yeah, Yeah. it's right there, the God who sees and doesn't overlook and has something to say and speak into their pain or whisper into their pain. And So yeah, it just sounds like a fantastic and such a needed resource. And I, for one, will definitely be getting a copy to have a read. Um, Thank you. Yeah, just amazing, really. Now, I reckon we could probably carry on talking about this for ages because it's fascinating, but um, I'm aware that time's ticking on. So I'd love to hear what your takeaway in this season or what one big life lesson that you've discovered about God or about faith is up to this point. If you, I know it's a really hard question, isn't it, but if you could distill it down to one thing, what's that one thing that God
2: printed on your
1: heart? Or,
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, for me, I think it's really that God uses everything for our good, even the really awful, traumatic experiences of our lives. And I think other guests on your podcast have said this to you before, Anna. But it's, it's just true. a lesson. It's a lesson worth learning, isn't it? Like Absolutely. God God uses everything for our God, our good. And actually, that doesn't mean that he condones the awful things that happen to us or that they happen by his design. Because let me make it clear that I really don't believe that I don't believe that God intended for me to be abused and assaulted. His plan for me does not include traumatic experiences and violence. Yeah. He only has good plans for me. But actually the sin of others affects us, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and God can use those traumatic experiences to to advance his kingdom. So he uses it for my good to grow me and show me how much he loves me and to bring me healing that he can also use it for the advance of his kingdom for us to tell others like this awful thing happened but my god was there and he loves me and he brings me into healing and to freedom and yeah I think that's a really important lesson for us to learn
1: Yeah that's so true and I think you can see that so clearly in your own life and the story you've just shared first God did that healing process in you just for you because he loved you and he wanted you to be free but then also how that freedom has grown this whole story this book the resources the like speaking opportunities a chance to share your story more widely so that other people will also hopefully find that freedom and so I love that about God I love that as you say god not everything bad in the world is from god is there? nothing yeah. bad in the world in fact it's from god let's get yeah. right but, you know like bad things that happen in our lives aren't this people say oh it's all part of god works all things for good doesn't mean god plans everything
2: yeah you know, absolutely. in that way yeah. but at
1: the same time he's so redemptive isn't he? he's so good he's so gracious he's if we'll work with him he's just he's so willing to work even the bad even the dark awful things back yeah. for good and uh, it's sort Mirrors kind of that whole redemptive plan he has throughout creation. It's like he's always redeeming, isn't he? He's always yeah. redeeming those bad things. And um, yeah, it just reminds me of, as you're speaking, that story. I think it's the story of Joseph, fits in, in, oh, yeah. 50, where he says, You meant this for harm, but God meant it for my good. And, yeah. Uh, it just as you're speaking, I was like thinking of that. It's so often what the enemy means for harm and our destruction and our, our pain, God can work for his glory because he's such a good God and yes I love that that God is good you say it and it's yeah often people come on and say that but it's such a fundamental principle that we have to stand on isn't it when life is difficult and throws huge curveballs at us it's it's yeah I don't know about you but I feel like I'm continue to be learning this truth my whole life that God is good because he's good because he's good
2: yeah and we say that sometimes so easily or we sing it in our worship songs yeah. God is good but when we actually stop and think about it and especially when we think about our our life story and and what God has done then it's oh, oh yeah but he's actually really good <laughs> and he's only good he's good
1: <laughs> yeah and I was chatting to Jenny Calcraft who I know is a friend of yours as well a few weeks ago on this podcast and she's she had a great analogy about this sort of similar theme that she was saying sometimes it's in the breaking of our hearts and it's when our hearts are breaking open that the truth that's written on our hearts like we know God's good and we sing about it when we can say it and read the scriptures and all of that but it's only in the breaking that it actually gets right inside deep down and I just thought wow isn't that an amazing way of thinking about what not that's not what got that's not the reason for our brokenness but in our brokenness that's what god can do
2: and yeah yeah, he uses it to get in deep doesn't he Mm -hmm. yeah i absolutely agree and also it's like the picture of, of being in darkness and then the light comes you can only really see the light when you're in the darkness or the light becomes brighter
1: yeah i love that so finally then i guess Just tell us where people can find out more, where can they reach you, where can they find your book? Because it's such a good resource and I'm sure people listening will want to have a look at it, want to find out more. Where do people go?
2: Yeah, thanks Anna. So the but if you just uh, search the cover to cover Bible study series, you'll be able to find it. But the website for that is called equippingthechurch.com, which is great, isn't it? But also you can find me on Twitter or Instagram if you want to hear more about my story or if you want to come and invite me to speak at your church um, or yeah, ask me anything. Um, yeah, I'd love to to connect with people and um, yeah, just help them really use that resource. And I want to equip people to be talking about this subject in their churches. The book's designed for personal or small group study. And I know lots of churches have midweek life groups, smaller groups to do the Bible study. But also I really want church leaders and teachers and preachers to be talking on these subjects do use it for that you don't have to get me to come and tell my story you can use it and tell your own story and teach on those stories that are in the bible because they're in there and we need to be teaching on the whole of scripture
1: Mm. yeah I think that's such a good point we can't just pick and choose the easy bits or we yeah. often do but we shouldn't so yeah big challenge there and yeah. it's a good one so yes important uh, resource for that so do check it out and we will just to add we will add all of those links that we have just discussed onto the show notes afterwards as well so great we thanks there in the show notes Claudine thank you so much for joining us today I've really enjoyed our conversation and found it really challenging and inspiring and actually I've learned quite a lot as well
0: It's
2: been a pleasure, Anna. Thanks so much for having me. Not
1: a problem. Thanks for having us.
2: Guys, thanks
1: for joining us this week on What's the Story. We'll catch you again very soon.
0: And just like that, we've reached the end of another fascinating conversation. Remember to check out Crowd Online Church at www.crowd.church. Don't forget to subscribe to What's the Story on your favorite podcast app. We've got a treasure trove of inspiring stories coming your way, and we'd hate for you to miss any of them. What's The stories is a production of Crowd Online Church. Our fantastic team, including Anna Kettle, Matt Edmondson, Tanya Hutzalak, and myself, Suther Fane, and work behind the scenes to bring these stories to life. Our theme song is the creative work of Josh Edmondson. If you're interested in the transcript or show notes, head over to our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. And while you're there, sign up for our free newsletter to get all the goodness delivered straight to your inbox. That's all from us this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye for now.